Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Centuries and Saints. This is your host, Scott Matson. I'm excited for today's episode because we are continuing our look at the attributes of God, and today we are looking at the Lordship of God, examining from biblical and theological perspectives what it means that God is the Lord. So stay tuned. We're going to get into this study right now. Why don't we jump in? Uh, We're going to continue on here as we study the attributes of God, getting to know our God better uh, through how he's revealed himself to us in his word. Uh, Last week, we finished up our three-part series on the love of God, that attribute of God, his love. And we looked at what that means, you know, that he is love, that he does love, uh, that he has demonstrated and proved his love, and all of that. So we took a look at all of that, and uh, I really enjoyed that. It was really encouraging for me to study those things and be able to share them with you guys. And uh, thus far, we've studied in depth the holiness of God, the self-existence and eternality of God, and the love of God. So we've been taking a look at that. And so today, uh, we're going to go into another aspect of the character and the nature of God. And we're going to be looking at the Lordship of God. Okay, so this attribute of God is a little bit different than some of the others, uh, in that not only is this one of God's attributes, but it's also a function and a title uh, of him and in which he operates. So, for example, um, God is Lord. That's a title. At the same time, that's also a description of his nature. God is the Lord. He is the sovereign one. He is the sovereign over the universe and over all creation. Okay, so it's both, if you see what I'm saying there. And so I want to study this today, the lordship of God, uh, because again, this is a part of his nature. By his nature, he is sovereign over all of creation. Why? Because he is God and he's the one who created everything. And so by right of creation, he is sovereign and Lord over it all. So that's why I want to take a look today at the Lordship of God and, and what this looks like and what this means for us as Christians and, and uh, for those of us that like to just get to know God better uh, and, you know, and to know the nature of God. And so that's why we're doing this. So let's dig in, you guys, into uh, a study here on the attribute of God of his Lordship. Uh, well, let's start in the Old Testament. The title for Lord in the Hebrew is the word that most of you, I'm sure, have heard, and that is Adonai or Adonai, however you want to pronounce that. Okay, so the term Adonai occurs 449 times for God in the, I believe it's in the entire Old Testament. I can't remember off the top of my head now if that's just in the Torah or if that's the whole Old Testament. Uh, But anyways, it occurs 449 times for God and 315 of those times. Adonai is directly related to God's holy name, Yahweh. Now, what that means, and that's a big deal, okay? Because God's lordship is directly tied into his name. And we know from uh, listening to Bible study that in Hebrew, your name means your nature, okay? So the title Adonai, Lord, when used for God, most of the time is directly related to his name or his nature. And his name, Yahweh, 
uh, comes from the Hebrew verb to be, which again denotes his self-existence, that he is the I am, which we talked about a few weeks ago. And Adonai, his lordship, is directly related to that and tied into that. All throughout the scriptures, all that to say that all throughout the scriptures, uh, we see that the function, the office, and the title of God's lordship is inextricably linked to his name and his nature and who he is. Okay, so the fact is, like it or not, believe it or not, acknowledge it today or not, the fact is that God, the God of the Bible, the triune God, is Lord, period. Okay? And that's the point of why we're studying the Lordship of God, because this is a very, very important aspect of his character and of his nature. Okay? And it's tied into his eternal nature. And on that point that I just made, um, I also want to point out, you know, as Paul says in Philippians, uh, you know, that one day every knee, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so that's the beautiful thing about it, that Jesus, God, he is Lord. He just is. That's who he is. Again, whether you acknowledge that, whether you want to submit your life to that or not, and I pray that you do, and I pray that we all do, but whether you want to acknowledge that or not, he is Lord. That's just who he is. And you can't get away from that. And there's no changing that, you know, and that's something that we need to remember, uh, you know, that our God does not change, you know, with the times and with the opinions of men. He is who he is. He is Lord, period. And so that's a great, great comforting thought for me to remember, you know, that God is who he is, you know, regardless of the shifting winds of culture and society. Okay. So uh, really quick here on the history, um, in your King James Bible, and I believe probably New King James and maybe other English translations, sometimes in the Old Testament, you will see the phrase, Lord God, and the Lord is all caps followed by the word God. Okay, so when that happens, that is Yahweh uh, Adonai is what that means. Okay, so when you see all capital letters in the word Lord followed directly by the word God, that's Yahweh Adonai, means God is Lord. Okay, that's in the English. Now, for the Jewish people, they did not even speak that name, you know, Yahweh or Yehovah or however that's pronounced. They wouldn't speak it because it's so holy. Okay, so what they did is they wanted a substitute word in order to denote that they're talking about God, but to not use his proper name. And so to do that, they would use the word Adonai. Now, the root word of Adonai is Adon, A-D-O-N in Hebrew. Okay, and it means like Lord or master, you know, or one who's over others. Okay, now in the Hebrew, to add the suffix of A-I to get from Adon to Adonai is to raise the idea, the concept of the Adon to the superlative degree, uh, much in the same way when Jesus would say, truly, truly, I say to you. Okay, it's not just truly, it's truly, truly. Now in Hebrew, that means that it's, he's making it more important. And when we studied the holiness of God, we saw how when the scriptures say God is holy, 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 um, raising it to the third degree there in Hebrew is saying he is the infinitely holy one. Well, it's the same with Adonai. To add that AI on the end of the word Adon and get Adonai is raising it to the superlative, meaning in the Hebrew that there is none higher. In other words, Adonai denotes the fact that the triune God, the God of scripture, 
is the Lord of all lords. He's the King of all kings, the God of gods, the ultimate Lord and sovereign and master and king of the universe. Okay, so that's what the word Adonai means. And that's why it is used alone uh, for God in scripture. And that's something that we see all throughout the scriptures, of course, that God is the absolute and ultimate sovereign and the king and the Lord of everything and everyone. Okay, so that's what the term in Hebrew Adonai means. Okay, it's Lord and master taken to, uh, we would say, the nth degree in importance. So in other words, God is letting us know uh, through the Hebrew language there, you know, there is none higher. He is the sovereign, the Lord of the universe. Fast forward to the New Testament here. And the most frequently used title for Jesus in the New Testament, of course, is Christ. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget that Christ is not Jesus's last name. And a lot of times we see, especially non-believers in popular culture, they'll talk about, oh, Jesus Christ said this and Jesus Christ said that. Christ is not a name, it's a title. Okay, it's the Greek word, Christos, and it's translates from the Hebrew, Mashiach, Messiah. That's obviously the most commonly used title for Jesus is Christ. The second most frequently used title for Jesus in the New Testament, the, secondly, the second most frequently used one is the word kurios, which is the Greek word for Lord. You know, grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord. The word in Greek is kurios, and kurios is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word, you guessed it, Adonai. All right, and we're going to get back to this uh, at the end of our teaching time together today. But really quickly, I want to make this note to you guys. Every single time that the word Lord is used in the New Testament to describe Jesus, the writer of the New Testament there is affirming that Jesus is God. Because Adonai is a title solely reserved for God. And Adonai translated to Greek is kurios, and that is the second most frequently used title for Jesus all throughout the New Testament. So it's all over in every single book of the New Testament, we see the affirmation that Jesus is God. Okay, so I want to let you guys know that. Uh, That's a great tool to use to talk to people that are not believers, you know, to point out to them that, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ is not just, you know, just sort of a nice title attached to his name. That is proclaiming his deity, that he is God, Adonai, sovereign Lord of the universe and the creator of all things. Okay. So, and we'll get back to that at the end of our teaching today. Um, But let's move on here. Okay. As we look at the manner historically of Jewish worship, Adonai is the supreme title given to God. In John chapter 20, uh, Thomas, after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus comes to the disciples and Thomas touches his wounds. And Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Okay. Now that's a beautiful, beautiful confession. And we use that as Christians and we say, look, you know, here, Jesus is God. And and that's what Thomas is saying. But we miss the forcefulness of this because we don't speak Hebrew. Okay. So what Thomas is literally saying here to Jesus is my Adonai and my Yahweh. That's what Thomas said to Jesus. All right. So Thomas in John chapter 20 is looking Jesus right in the eyes staring, you know, looking at him face to face and saying, you are my Adonai and my Yahweh. You know, in other words, you are God, the eternal creator of all things, the the everlasting God of the universe. It is an unequivocal proclamation of the deity and the lordship of Jesus. All right. Now, another thing uh, to which the title Adonai refers um, is God's sovereignty. 
Okay, now I know within Christian circles, uh, there are all kinds of debates about God's sovereignty, about what it means, about how it practically works out in the lives of believers and non-believers and all that. And I get that, and that's a huge theological debate for a completely different time. That's not what I'm going to talk about right now. Um, I just want you to know that the title Adonai refers to God's sovereignty. And all of us as Christians, whether you're you know, Arminian or Calvinist or you know, whether you're Presbyterian or Baptist or whatever, we all agree that God is sovereign. I don't think there's any Christian who would say, no, I don't think he is. I mean, we all agree that he is sovereign, okay? When we call him Lord, that is a confession that he is sovereign, that he is the only sovereign, okay? It's that confession that God, the God of Scripture, rules over all of the kingdoms and the affairs of men. He rules over all creation. He's the king and the Lord of the universe, sovereignly ruling from his throne uh, from all eternity over all of creation. Uh, This idea that God is the sovereign, that he's the Lord, that he's the king, it can be difficult at times for us uh, as Americans, okay, Uh, to kind of really get our heads around that concept. And the reason I say that is because sort of woven into the very fabric of the United States and of our history and of our worldview and the way that we're brought up in this nation uh, is that we have a history of sort of bucking against authority, Okay. Now we are used to democracy. You know, the idea that there's no taxation without representation. You know, we're all entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, freedom, and independence. Those are absolutely fundamental American values. Okay. And in America, we've never had a king, okay, a sovereign, a lord. We have you know, rulers elected by the people, at least in theory, (laughs) that's the way it was set up. That's another topic we're not going to go into, but hey, uh, keeping politics out of this, but in theory, you know, the, the president, the one who is sort of our main representative, he's elected by the people, senators and Congress people, uh, you know, house of representatives, mayors, governors, city council, all these people, it's all based on democracy. You know, it's a democratic Republic where people are elected by the citizenry. That's what we're used to. Okay, and that's fine. I mean, that, that, my point is not to bash that system. That's totally great. However, this is something that we have to remember because, yes, we are Americans, but first we are Christians. Okay, the kingdom of God, heaven is our citizenship, and that overrides any uh, you know, nation state, whether you're American or Costa Rican or Israeli or Saudi Arabian or China, Chinese, whatever. The kingdom of God overrules all of that. And we have to remember that the kingdom of God is not a democracy. Let that sink in. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. When God speaks, he exercises absolute authority. And the only thing that we have to do is to say, yes, Lord, and to bow the knee to his will and to obey him. Okay, if you'll notice, um, God doesn't consult with us before he (laughs) makes decisions, you know. Uh, God does not rule by majority opinion. He doesn't take polls and try and figure out what it is that he should do. Okay, we we all know that, of course, and we can kind of laugh at that because it's silly. And it's intentionally meant to be a little bit silly, to make my point. God exercises absolute authority. He speaks, we hear his voice, and his will and his decrees are absolute and binding. Okay, now again, uh, as Americans, we're not really used to this idea of having a king, you know? So we read in scripture about men like Nebuchadnezzar and, 
you know, and, and Darius and all these men, and we see the way they ruled, and we're like, wow, that's weird, you know, because we're just, we're not used to that. And again, that's fine, um, but we're just not used to that idea. So we have to be careful as Christians here in the West that we don't export, you know, all of our American values and ideals of government onto God and treat God as though, you know, we elected him and he, you know, he's lucky that we chose him, okay? That's not the way it is. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. God was not elected. God is God. He's Lord. He's the sovereign. And our obligation, our duty, and our privilege as his children, as Christians, no matter which nation we're from, wherever in the world you're from, if you're a believer in Jesus, our privilege, our joy is to say yes, Lord, and to bow and to do his will, okay? And so, Again, the way that God works things in his kingdom is different than the way that a lot of us are used to things being worked out politically, you know? And so I just wanted to make that point because I, I was reminded of that this week, and I just feel like that's really important for us to remember as Christians, you know, that we belong to him, you know? And so this is the reason that we're, we're taking so much time, you know, to reflect and, and look at this facet of the nature of God and this attribute of God, his lordship, Okay, God, and, and we would all confess this, of course, but we have to remember God is sovereign over us, not the other way around. All of creation, all spirits, invisible, all things, you know, seen and unseen, all people, all of creation is under God's authority and belongs to him by right of creation. Okay, God made us. Therefore, he is in authority over us. And also, for those of us that are his children, that are Christians, born again, we belong to him doubly because we also belong to him by the right of redemption. So for those of us that are saved, God purchased us with his own blood and brought us and bought us back to himself. So what that means literally is that God owns us, okay? We are his bond slaves, the doulos that Paul talks about in the New Testament, that means we're Christians. God owns us. He's he set us free, of course. You know, we are his sons and daughters, his children. You know, so don't hear that as, a, as being like a negative thing or a harsh thing. Not at all. Okay, but we have to remember we belong to God. You know, we, we're his. You know, we belong to him. Okay, it's not the other way around. Again, that's why I wanted to bring this up today because uh, we just, it's so important and, and such a joy, honestly, when we remember you know, the way that this all works, God is on the throne. He's in control. He's the sovereign and we're his children as Christians. And we say yes to him. And the beautiful thing about that, and this is something again that we miss because we don't live in, in Israel in the first century, you know, and, and in the way that things worked back then. And also uh, throughout the Roman empire in those days was the patron client system, you know? So uh, same thing also happened in the medieval ages with the feudal system and, and the vassals and the lords and all of that. Basically, what it was is you or I would go to work for somebody who was over us in the social hierarchy and had a lot more money than we did, and we would farm their ground, we would serve them, we would go to war and military battle on their behalf, and in return, they would give us a place to live, they would provide for our needs and pay us and take care of us. And see, that's a beautiful thing, and that's one aspect, it's not the whole thing, but it's one aspect of the way that things work with God. As Christians, as his kids, you know, Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all this other stuff I'll take care of for you. You don't have to worry about that. And so knowing that God is on his throne, it's a terrifying thing in one sense because he is infinitely holy and, and majestic. 
And it's also very comforting for us in another sense, because as his children, we know that his heart is set towards us only for the good, and that he has nothing but the best in mind for us, and we can trust him to take care of our needs and to provide for us. So it's a great thing that God is the sovereign. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing when we really dig into it and think about it. And so I want to finish up this morning again by just reminding you guys that all throughout the New Testament, the New Testament writers are reminding us that Jesus is the Kyrios, Lord. Now again, Kyrios is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Adonai, which is the word that we've based this study upon. Okay, They do this all the time in the New Testament. And again, since we're not Jewish and we're not Hebrew and we're not from the first century, you know, we, we miss this in our English a lot of times. But think about this. Every single instance in the entire New Testament where the writers refer to Jesus as Lord, Kyrios, they are affirming and proclaiming the deity of Jesus, that he is God. And that's really opened my eyes this past week. And, and it's, I'm going to remember that next time I'm reading through the epistles in the New Testament. Uh, it's incredible how many times that happens, you know, and it's easy to miss. So praise the Lord for that. I just wanted to share that with you guys. And, uh, you know, again, man, may the Lord bless you guys today. And so as we just think about God and just remember his lordship and his sovereignty and, and that we belong to him as his people, you know, man, he set us free. Like Jesus said, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Free from sin, free to uh, be a, a child, a son or daughter of God, as he said in John chapter 8. It's an amazing thing. So may we as his church worship him in spirit and in truth and, and just praise him for who he is and uh, how he's revealed himself to us in his word. God bless you. Well, thank you everyone so much for tuning in to Centuries and Saints today as we have been continuing our look at the attributes of God and looking today at the Lordship of God. I hope and pray that this podcast today and in general has been a blessing to you. And if it has, would you please go to the podcast store and leave us a rating, write us a review, tell your friends, family, share online, whatever you like to do, but it just helps us to get the word out and allow us to bless more people. And that's really the goal here. So once again, thank you for tuning in to Centuries and Saints for this second season, looking at the attributes of God. And until next time, this is your host, Scott Matson. Peace. Glory to God.